0: fire 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 good day good day good day i dame i just wanted everyone to see you to start the show this week Did it surprise you yeah just a little i think everyone could tell by the look on my face Yeah, that was an unfortunate look. Hello, everybody. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, host of the Pete the Planner show, here with Damian Dunn. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. All right, so lots of happenings before we start recording the radio show this week. Things I really need to get off my chest, things you need to understand. Number one, there is currently a chipmunk on my porch right now. That's not a euphemism either. There is a physical chipmunk on my physical porch as we speak. Is he exploring the the, the transportation device? Uh, he is looking at his uh, transportation device, deciding whether he wants to partake in a delicious walnut covered in Skippy natural peanut butter, and then find himself moved a few miles away. Now, here's what occurred to me as I was setting the trap this morning: What if a ground squirrel of any sort had a nut allergy? Like, can that, Can you think of something you know more unfortunate than that? No,
1: I, that'd be horrible.
0: I mean, it'd be terrible.
1: It, then, you know, PETA gets involved in this whole operation and you have
0: protesters outside your house and it's, it's, not, it's not good. Uh, Dame on the show this week, we actually a- are actually answering email questions. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's askpete at com. We are doing that. Um, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about the tax IRS uh, tax deadline changes and uh, so much more. So let's go ahead and start the show if you're all right with it. Let's do it. Oh, I gotta get ready. I forgot. This is like a whole thing now. How we do this? So I gotta. All right, hold on, everybody. Uh, Dame, since we've stopped using Zencaster, I have to say that the sound aud- the audio quality is a little. Uh, it's not as good. I don't think. I feel like on the podcast it sounds a little different. However, the technical issues that we have have completely gone away. <laughs> so I am uh, all for that. I, I uh, whatever
1: makes the fans happy. I
0: don't think they're happy at all. They don't come here for happiness. They come here for, to feel better about themselves, that they're in a better place oh, than us. I missed that. All right. In three, two, oh, we're starting the show in three, two, one. This week on the Pete, the planner show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, ask Pete at Pete, That's ask Pete, dot com. Joining me as always is the father of two state swim champions, Damian Dunn, your kids uh, tore it up last week in the water, swam it up. The Aqua Duns, as we like to call your family, congratulations, Dame.
1: Thank you. I had nothing to do with
0: it, but it was a very successful weekend for my children. Uh, Dame, we did receive some emails this week, and I want to go ahead and read them. The first one is from Diana. She says, "Question for podcast slash blog: You mentioned during the 401k averages podcast that goal of 401k contribution should be an access of 12 to 14 percent of your income." What if your annual 401k contribution is maxed at $58,000 per year with the profit sharing? Employee contributions and employer match plus $12,000 annually to IRA and spousal IRA respectively, but you are still only reaching 11 to 12% of your gross income. Is this a bad thing? Do you need to look for other investment options at this point? Thank you, Diana. Dame, this is what we classify as a good problem to have.
1: Yeah. if you're uh, able to do all those things, uh, which is fantastic, congratulations, Diana, uh, and still be looking for other places to stash cash. I mean, good on you. So yeah, this is a problem that you could potentially run into if you are a high in, uh, income earner that you're going to have to look for places outside of qualified plans potentially to save for retirement. And it's, um, can be an eye-opening experience for a lot of people because they uh, pete i think you've shared on the show a few times that sometimes uh, high income earners fall into this trap that they think well i'm i'm doing everything that i should be doing i'm maxing stuff out and, and they when it comes time they find out that they weren't saving enough in the first place to make that all happen so this is a great question to ask and very uh in
0: tune with what's going on don't you think Yeah, my big concern here is this sneaky problem that I've seen in this exact scenario before. So I'm going to make up an age for this person, okay? Like, I I don't know how old this person is. What if I looked them up to get online and sort of cyber-stalked them to see how old they are? Should I do that or should I just make a guess? Okay, creeper, let's just go with a guess. I'm just going to pick an age because it sort of matters. It doesn't actually matter. 40, 50, it doesn't matter. Let's say their current income... Uh, is is only covered in this email, meaning it's not like their entire career they were earning this high of an income. So it's quite possible that they are, you know, really close to that twelve percent of gross income now. However, it's also possible based on you know, what's happened in the last 10, fifteen years of their life that they've only gotten to this point where they're so aggressively saving dollars. Which is a very long winded way of saying they could actually still be in some pretty big trouble here if they're just now at eleven or twelve percent in their forties. Sure, I, they, you
1: know, if, if you're playing catch up at this point, um, yeah, you you need to pay attention. Even though you're throwing what is uh, seems like and really is a large amount of money towards savings, the numbers matter, and you've got to figure out how much time you've got left to make this happen.
0: You know, I got a uh, in my Indianapolis Business Journal column this week, Dame, I, I got one of my favorite types of questions that you and I, I think, actually talked about on the show here recently. I'm going to read the question because it, it it falls in line with my hypothesis on this question from Diana. Uh, the IBJ column says, my wife and I both are both 57 years old and had planned to retire when we reached the full retirement age of 67. Based on some back of the napkin math, I think we'll need about $2 million to retire successfully in addition to Social Security and real estate income. Here's the problem. We only have $1 million right now between the both of us. We're in, we're investing a total of $2,000 a month right now. If it took us 35 working years to accumulate 1 million, how in the world are we supposed to come up with another million in just 10 years? Dame, this is one of my favorite things in the whole entire world because it's just a description of compounding interest, but the only reason that emailer might be in an actual better position than Diana is because this emailer already has the million dollars saved. Mm-hmm because he had theoretically done so throughout the 35 years of his career
1: yeah math is beautiful in this case it's going to work out very well for the ibj uh writer at that point uh it'd be it'd be amazing if we knew how much diana had set aside already and and trying to ask just a few really important key pieces of information to help give a really impactful answer for her but uh we are left to speculate which uh, honestly we do pretty well if we're, if All we're right. being fair, I'm cyber stalking.
0: <sighs> okay. I right, go for it. I, you're knee deep. in If you're listening to the podcast right now, this is as creepy as you think it is. So Dame, she is in a high income job. I, I, we knew that from her email, yeah. but just seeing her profession that, that is absolutely validated. I will also note this. It's very possible she wasn't making the sort of money she's making now into her mid thirties or more, if you know where I'm going there. Okay. Okay. So that is to say, Diana, it's possible we're going to have to find a workaround for you. Number one, you do need to find vehicles that are outside of qualified investments, things like just a brokerage account. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I I know some people in, in her profession, her line of work that even go as far to, get municipal bond stacks or just Mm -hmm. different different ways to have tax sensitive investments uh, that allow them to still aggressively save i think the real question here's dame is the one you said about 90 seconds ago how much does she currently have saved that's everything
1: yeah i I think that's important she could also potentially look at some life insurance products as well to help uh, you know build some some cash value and also provide a maybe a much needed benefit as well um, so there's there are a few options that she's got. Uh, non, I'm a big fan of non-qualified accounts, honestly, uh, to help you know bridge whatever gaps there may be, or to give you some some freedom to to do some other things at different points in your life. So uh, non-qualified account for sure, I would look into, and then maybe look to supplement
0: with some other things around that area. I've just gone to this real bad place where now I've seen a picture of her, so now I'm like making like, how old is she? She looks much younger than we've just described. And now it's awkward because I'm judging a person's looks and their age. And it's like, this has really gone downhill. I warned you. You did warn me. But if Diana listens to the show, she knows what she's dealing with here. It's fair. Um, Yeah. Okay. So inconclusive. Uh, Our answer is inconclusive. (laughs) We think, depending on how much she already has saved, um, she could actually be Short on on her saving goal, savings goals, and she should pursue things well outside qualified plans to to satisfy that. That's interesting. Do we uh, do we say email us back with some yeah, important Diana. key statistics? If you're not currently filing uh, some sort of protection order against me, please email us back with some more details. Let us know your age. Let us know <laughs> why. Let us know your age, let us know sort of your asset uh, levels, and then I'll be able to give you a better answer. <laughs> that... Your yeah, account numbers.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Number. Yeah, address, first of kin, you know, yeah. all that good stuff.
0: But I mean, if you want a good answer, I mean, I did the research there. a research is a very professional term for what you did. Don't you ever do that? Like is, You interact with someone, you're like, well, oh, I can Google their name and, and get more context. W- one
1: of the worst most egregious habits that I used to have that I haven't done in a long time that drove uh, Mrs. Dunn, my Mrs. Dunn, sure. nuts was to look at people's houses online.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I, I don't really, I've, I've maybe done that once. I know that's a thing. Yeah. Um. So those people following along on Facebook Live right now and YouTube Live was me searching for additional context. <laughs> by googling this person who just emailed me but without i, I didn't disclose too much i don't f- i feel like i i got the context i needed sure. without you know outing this person in any particular way. was that creepy or was it really smart that's what i need you to put in the comments right now if you're a podcast listener you can ask pete at pete subject line very creepy pal or if you're listening on the radio thank you for listening on the radio you can also email us all right, Dame, coming up after the break, I'm going to answer another email question from another person and maybe I'll bing them. All that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I mean, what do you think? Was it creepy or not? Ah, I'm just playing it up for radio. I, I Google people all the time. Uh, Brittany says both. <laughs> it's possible it was both creepy and smart. No. Yeah. Sure. Sometimes the line is blurred
1: and you've got to do what you have to do to to make, uh, make things work. So yes, Uh, both.
0: So so my fear with people in this profession, honestly, is that they were in school for so long that, and accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt, that it it is possible that, that they're behind the eight ball because it's ages 22 to 35 that actually matter the most. Yeah, I you know, the you've you've
1: gotta make up for there's only one way to make up for lost time, and that's to throw excessive amounts of cash at it. Um, but I mean it's very possible that maybe she's handling her um potential debts uh very well, very aggressively, as well as putting a decent amount of money towards retirement. Uh, let's let's not completely forsake that. Uh that you know, she she may be doing okay there but we don't we don't know anything about the personal side of it and what she's got maybe well anything anything
0: at least i didn't say well she lives in an affordable area of the country <laughs> <laughs> um oh hold on i feel like your poll is a trap question the answers could say a lot about us joking aside max and hsa could be another vehicle yeah i thought of that too and i don't know why i didn't say it good call todd sure. Uh, Dame, my favorite commercial on TV right now, and I laugh every time I see it, and my Mrs. Planner just rolls her eyes at me, is uh, which she does all the time, whether the commercial is playing or not. Now they think about it. Uh, it's it's the uh, identity uh, or, or uh, reputation defender, where like uh, a guy is trying to sell something to a person, and she's like, "Well, I I was about ready to buy from you, but then I Googled your name, and I found some things that weren't so." complimentary. And the guy goes, that again. And, <laughs> and so I love this. I love the whole reputation defender. Like if, if you Google someone and like there's crazy stuff about them out there and you're just Googling to say, you know, give more context around a radio show, you could find out all sorts of creepy stuff. So then they had a free reputation check on this commercial. So I went to the site and, and entered my information because I was, I was curious. It's like, what are people saying about me out there online? I had a hundred percent reputation uh, score, which is shocking if I'm being honest.
1: How many? I, first of all, how were these responses
0: curated? I mean, well, here's how they I think they did it, and it's dumb. They basically went to the first two or three pages of Google. Like if someone Googles your name, they're not going past the third page, right? Well, I've I mean, <laughs> sorry, y'all. I have millions of results that are actually me online right and so a lot of times people don't if you're not in the media or you, you know whatever you're not in the public you know you just have a couple and if a couple of them are bad you're in big trouble well i have millions of legitimate ones so i got a 100 percent score but dame have i ever told you the story of there is a guy i knew that in college a um, I don't want to out this person because this is—he's finally behind this thing. Okay, I got to think how I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> there was a guy who said something publicly in college that became a national news story. He's a friend of mine. Okay, okay. it was inappropriate for him to say it was, and it, and it, it was awful. He got a lot of um, negative feedback. <laughs> there were a lot of consequences to his juvenile statement. I will tell you off the air. And for years, if you Googled his name when he was trying to get a job, he, he really he didn't, jobs. he didn't get jobs because people would pull it up. And then he used a service like this essentially to put that search result way down the line. And he's sort of gotten things squared away. Nice. You were dying to know what, right? I, You're gonna yeah, <laughs> I, I,
1: I'm trying to think about timing did they go to a major campus in Indiana? I can't. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> I can't. Poor guy's just got it behind him. He deserved all the scrutiny he got. That's the thing, right? It was just that's, dumb. It's probably not the case I'm thinking of then. Uh, I don't know. All right. Hey, let's start another segment. Let me pull up that other email. I feel organized this week. I'm not. Trust me. Uh, okay. You ready? Oh. Yes. Did you just tra- make a clicking noise, or was that the chipmunk
1: trap that just went off? I made a clicking noise. I turned oh. off my heat, so it didn't. Sorry. Now that would have been amazing to bring in a, a
0: furry friend to the show live on the air. Now I want to go check. All right, I'm getting up. Don't, no one, look! I'm I have, I'm running after the show, so I have running <laughs> type So if I if I stand up, everyone avert your eyes for a second. Hold on, I'm going to go see the chipmunk trap, and I got to scoot out of screen. Hold on. I'm really sorry about this, everyone. I, so
1: if you're just joining wow. us,
0: uh, last year. Pete had a, a wonderful right, this, time. Here's the update. The chipmunk is sitting next to the trap, but he's not in the trap. Just checking it out for space right now. He's he's a thicky Ricky, too. He's a thick boy. Winter POI. was good for him. Yeah. Maybe he's not onto the the nut this early. Like maybe it's not nut season.
1: He maybe he needs a, a nice red
0: wine out there to, to get him in there with the, to pair well with the, the nut. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions and giving you tips on catching ground squirrels on your property. Dame, we got this question from a person named Jen. Jen. Good morning, Pete. My husband and I have no credit card debt and have not had any credit card debt since the year 2004 AD. I added the AD. Each of our credit scores is over 800. We own our vehicle. He's retired. I'm 56 and still working. Doesn't this sound like love connection? A little bit. We'll be back in two and two. We have over $20,000 in a tier savings account. I don't know what that means. And my husband has $400,000 in his retirement investments with Fidelity and receives a small social security check every month for $1,395 and 55 cents. And that is his sole income. I have a pension plan where I work plus a 457 plan with $130,000 currently in that account and put a portion of my income, every paycheck to that plan. I recently refinanced our mortgage for a two and a half percent rate. Oh, so excited. And we owe $127,000 on our home. I roughly have an average of $700 a month left after I pay all our bills. We own one vehicle and have for the last four years and have paid cash for it. We have one TV. We budget our groceries. We eat out once a month. Our early membership is Netflix and presumably chill. Finally, my question is since I will be working for at least another 10 years and my husband is 11 years older. Nice. Should he pull out the $127,000 out of his retirement fund and pay off the mortgage? And then I take the $1,260 a month that I pay towards the mortgage and put it in an investment or take the extra $700 I have left after I pay our bills and put it towards the principal of our mortgage instead of the tier savings account. Jen, Dame, I love this question. And boy, am I really glad that Jen emailed us because I think this is a situation that can be very easy to make a giant, giant mistake. Yeah. D- did
1: Jen say I'm I'm rescanning quickly. Anything about an emergency fund or anything? Oh, the, yeah, the 20K in the tier savings account. Okay.
0: All right, dan you get first crack here.
1: Uh, should he liquidate a retirement account no no i don't think you should remove assets uh take assets to pay for something that can be cash flow to this point you this is the old uh killing the chicken uh pete that that you often refer to you you don't want to take this away from yourself uh in the future income that could possibly uh provide for you in retirement even if it is 10 years away at this point so i would be really reluctant to take the tax hit on this. Cause there's going to be taxes that come out of it as well. And, uh, I just don't think it's going to work out quite the way you're anticipating.
0: There, there were a few numbers that jumped out to me on this. The first is a two and a half percent mortgage. Like, um, oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. You know, there's certain things in life that, you know, only certain people get really excited about. And one of those sorts of things is a low interest mortgage. And I'm the sort of person that gets excited about it. Absolutely. And I think you are too. Honestly. Totally. Yeah. I, I, it,
1: I'm also the person that, that, uh, uh, doesn't care if I don't miss the exact bottom of mortgage rates either. I mean, anything that two and a half percent, who cares if you could have got it for two and uh, an eighth of, of another month later, you got two and a half percent. It's amazing.
0: Be happy with it. Give yourself a high five and move on. There's two reasons why a low interest rate mortgage is a good idea. Number one, it gives you a low payment. Okay. And, and then people enjoy that throughout their, their lives. But the other reason is if the interest rate is low enough, then it justifies your ideas that your your assets that are at work, your invested assets, can stay at work. And you don't have to get out of something that's presumably earning a six to eight percent of rate of return to not pay a two and a half percent interest rate. Like it, that spread, You know, paying two and a half percent and having money offset that, yet making six to eight percent on it—that is a good business decision. What I'm saying is, no, don't take nice invested assets and pay off a really low interest rate. That doesn't—that doesn't work. No,
1: and I, I understand the desire to be debt-free, mortgage-free, specifically, uh, especially as you are. You're not, you aren't in retirement yourself yet, Jen, but you can see it over a a few hills away from here. And we often encourage people to try and time their retirement with getting rid of the mortgage uh, within a few years, one way or the other. I don't know if that's going to be the case based on saying she just recently refinanced two and a half percent. I can't make a judgment on whether that's going to be a 15 year or a 30 year mortgage that she just refinanced to.
0: I think it's got to be. At a two and a half percent, unless it's an arm, yeah. She didn't mention, which would freak out. Yeah. So okay, let's just say it's 15
1: year. We'll we'll go best case scenario. 15 year. That's only going to leave her five years of mortgage payments as she enters into retirement, which probably get rid of, you know, maybe a smidge quicker if if things uh work out okay. It's still gonna time out okay. So leave that asset where it's at, cash flow, the mortgage, and let
0: things play out it's interesting when you can eliminate, I was thinking about this. Actually, we had an executive team meeting yesterday. and something I was going to bring up. I didn't, but it applies to this situation too. It's like knowing that the problem you're trying to solve is half the battle, right? And there are so many distractions in in work and in your finances and your personal life of, of what you think the problem is and what the problem really is. And I think this is a good example in personal finance here that, the problem feels like it's the mortgage payment. The problem is not the mortgage payment. The The problem she's trying to dissolve, to really solve here is what does she do with $700 a month, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It does she fill up her emergency fund, which arguably Dame, a $20,000 emergency fund. It's got to be close.
1: What? You think it's good I, or bad? No, it's, it's got to be close to being what most people would consider
0: adequate. I agree for a working person, but for a pre-retiree retiree, retiree, I like a higher emergency fund primarily because you don't get the chance to replenish that emergency fund when you peel it off. The challenge is, and this is where I wanted to go with this. I see this situation. I used to see this situation all the time when there was a 10 to 11 year age gap all the time that they, one person's retirement is seen as both different and separate and then the other person has to make decisions in relation to this person's retirement happening. It's very disconnected. And I think, this is my opinion, it is very common in that generation because of how people were socialized and made decisions around money. That's true. That's a good point. We we take a, a different, uh, slightly different
1: take on it uh, at this point uh, for a, a lot of us, but... Uh, yeah there's there's almost the uh the, the two separate lives uh financial lives that, that are being discussed here it's unfortunate because i think it adds an unnecessary layer of complication to to this but uh you know that's how they may potentially be viewing things and if that's the case then um i still think they're they're okay based on what they say so we're not uh, dealing with a a potential for uh catastrophic results here. It's just trying to make the best decision. As you said, identifying the problem is what to do with that 700 bucks a month and uh, you know, do what you want with it. Put it towards the mortgage if you choose. Build up that retirement, uh, the uh, the emergency fund and the, and the tiered account. Um, both are good, uh,
0: good uh, possibilities for you. I would want to know what her pension is, but if it, if it was healthy, frankly, I would probably put it towards a mortgage. As as Danza noted on Facebook Live here, she can easily chunk down another $84,000 over the next 10 years of principal just with those extra payments. Um, you know, Dame, before we hit the break here, and since I'm making uncomfortable comments on the radio this week, I'm going to go a step further with this one. I think they either got married late in life I don't think it's a second marriage. I think they got married later. Mm -hmm. And and the reason I feel that is because every time I see that sort of, well, he's retired. I think people who've been married for a really, really, really long time don't necessarily act that way. That sounds judgmental. It's not meant to be. Coming up after the break, I will find my foot out of my mouth, maybe for an entire segment. All that's next on the Pete the Planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. Do you know what I mean, though? I think so, uh, and I also think we need to start referring to Danza as our research department. <laughs> Danza is the research department. When you're the 2020 listener of the year, did did you see that snap? You think that was my trap? It could have been. I got to quit getting up and looking at the trap. I put a fresh nut on it this morning. Wow! Only the best for your ground squirrels. So Dame is a nice man, and Dame gave me a gift last weekend in two regards. Uh, It's about nine o'clock at night. I don't know, eight o'clock. No one knows what time it is. I'm at my home here and wherever I am. I I sense a presence. I sense a presence. There's no noise, just a presence. I walk by my front door. I look out the little window that's next to the door. And I see Damien's face. (laughs) Damien is there. He is drawing a picture of me. No, he is there. And he, he mentioned he might be stopping by and bringing me a gift. And he did. He brought me a delicious bottle of booze, which is great. Here's the problem. Uh, I'm so excited to try this booze, but I don't know when to drink it. And the challenge is it has a caffeine component to it. And Dame, I am not the sort of person. I'll just put it this way. I'm so nervous and now I'm overthinking when to drink this gift because I don't want to turn up as the kids say i don't want to get it litty but i really want to try it and i don't know when to drink it so any thoughts now would have been the perfect time a little bit of caffeine before you run <sighs>
1: you know get but things the, the, loose
0: yeah, that's a good would've... call next friday on the show let me see what's on the let me see my actual work calendar next Friday. okay live me... taste test you know what we're drinking on the show next week okay what are you gonna drink I don't know. We'll figure it out. By the way, the, uh,
1: the best use of money that you highlighted last week from, was it Cardinal Spirits? I believe in in Bloomington. I think they sell that in Indianapolis in the Carmel area. I did not get a chance to stop at any of the fine purveyors of adult beverages. Yeah. But I believe they are available. So that's another option.
0: Um, that's a good point, Dame. That's a good point. All right, Dan. Let's do this. I don't have a segment here, but I do have my IBJ com, which we mentioned earlier, and the math for it. I actually did some math out, which I think math on the radio and math in a newspaper is pretty exciting. You know what? Next week, everyone, Brittany says it the best. Yep. Y O B. Everyone on the show next week, we're gonna have a nooner. Wait, is that a drink at noon or that went a different direction? I don't know. I don't. I'm gonna rescind that comment. We're gonna have a beverage on the show next week. Okay, yeah, I think it's great, great idea. All right, that's what we're doing. Oh my god, I got to talk Mrs. Planner into this. Uh, I just sneak, right. sneak, sneak, the bottle into your office sometime during the week. She'll never know. <laughs> she doesn't come in here because it's a mess. Uh, exactly. Okay, uh, let's start a segment. I'll figure out what we're going to talk about when we get there. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Uh, if you want to find out what we talk about during the break on this show, tune in live noon Eastern. On Fridays on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, just go to Pete the Planner, go to youtube.com/pete the planner or facebook.com/pete the planner, and guess what happens? You can catch all the conversation, or of course, just listen to the podcast. Dame, I mentioned earlier my uh, IBJ column about the guy that needed two million dollars. He has a million. He's ten years out, and he's contributing two thousand dollars a month. And he wants to know how in the world is he going to have another million dollars in just ten years when it took him a million dollars to accumulate 30 or took him 35 years to accumulate the million dollars. Dame, you know, I love this topic. It has to do with compounding and the importance of saving early, but I thought maybe you would enjoy getting deep into the interest rates and understanding exactly what rate of return he would have to earn to accomplish his goals. Does this appeal to you? I feel like this is story time and I'm just going to find a blanket and snuggle up. Can I tell you how glad I, I am that you just didn't go? Nah, nah, do something else. <laughs> uh, that would have been amazing. Oh, uh-huh. Okay, uh, you know. And by the way, this is data that you pulled for me <laughs> like oh, earlier. That, that that was a request. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay, so I, this is rude. Uh, it's not rude. It's just true. This person doesn't have a tremendous amount of investment savvy. They they just don't. I mean, and that's okay. That's not, that's, I'm not judging the person. I'm just observing. They don't because they would know the answer to the question. But here's what they have they have moxie. No, they, they're they disciplined. They're a disciplined investor. Mm-hmm. You don't have a million dollars at age 57 with what looks like a, a yeoman's effort because and some, some real know. estate, too. It sounded like they, they, have. I mean, they they've, they've done well. Totally. So if you, if you want to say this person, the scale being one, you're a complete noob. In 10, you're Warren Buffett. This person's probably a five. Yeah. Maybe Nothing wrong six. with that. Nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Because the proof is in the pudding. They got a million bucks. Listen, yeah. I would I
1: would much rather have somebody just keep their nose to the grindstone and, and do the little things right consistently rather than have somebody who's always trying to outsmart the
0: room. Totally right. And the thing is, I bring this up because of this person's limits going forward. They likely don't fully understand their risk tolerance, right? People in this situation, they think the stock market and they think, oh, that's risky or that's not for me or let's go. They don't view the equities market as simply a piece of their portfolio. They think it's this all or nothing thing. That's yeah. my experience. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, when we talk about this, or when I answered the question, what I wanted to focus on is getting the person to understand that they can con- take a conservative approach to the market, a moderately conservative approach to the market, simply by seeking, after they talk to a licensed financial advisor, a 60 40 portfolio. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's very common, 60% bonds. <laughs> <laughs> very common, very wow. common. stocks, 40% bonds. And you don't have to use individual stocks and individual bonds. You can use funds. So so that is to say, to get the person comfortable with with risk and the elements of risk. And I bring this up because uh, they don't have to do that well. The last 10 years, a blended portfolio of 60% stocks and 40% bonds, and this is period ending December 31st of 2020. It has returned nine percent Seven eight percent annually. That's nine point seven eight percent every year during that time frame. Dame, that is ridiculous. Yeah, I. It's a incredibly
1: conservative portfolio. Now, last ten years have been pretty darn good, Pete. I, I don't know if you know that. I mean, there's ostensibly yeah. been maybe uh, one or two years in that time period that were negative. Everything else has been pretty darn good. So. Um, I don't want to say that this is a, an aberration, but it's it's uh, I I would lock that in for the rest of my life. If you told me I would get a sixty forty portfolio for nine and change for the rest of my life, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it. So it, it's it's reasonable because that's what the numbers play out. But um, to expect a sixty forty to return nine and change, I think might be on
0: the high side, personally. Now, listen to this, you know, if the person didn't invest another dime, they weren't putting that $2,000 a month away, they would only need a tick above a 7% rate of return to reach his $2 million goal. But since he's putting in the $2,000 a month, Dame, he only needs a 5.25% rate of return. And and this is really important to know and, and to find that information because, as we often say on the show, sometimes investors are so uninformed with what they need to do that they take unnecessary risk. A person in this situation should have the wherewithal to go to a, a licensed financial advisor and ask her, What's the least, uh, what's the, the smallest rate of return I need to achieve in order to achieve my $2 million asset goal? That's the question. And, and unfortunately, prior to the person emailing me, they didn't know that. That's what a, a five out of 10 in terms of investor savvy, that's where it gets you is the uninformed question or the question that is not asked that you should ask. The power that you can
1: get, the, the empowerment that you can get out of asking the right question, even if you don't word it right, but getting the right answer for that is tremendous. And this person made a, you know, a, a very reasonable question to make because it's it's something that you would uh logically think oh gosh it took me forever to get to this point how am i gonna ever make that gap up between now and 10 years from now well you asked a great question how now we can explain to you how this all works in you know in theory past performance is no guarantee of future returns uh but it's it's a great question because now that you know this everything starts to become a little bit clearer and how this is going to work. And the law of averages is going to play out in your favor.
0: See, he emailed me thinking I was going to have to give him some magic bullet or he'd have to get lucky. What he doesn't realize is that this is a dotting of an I, the crossing of a T it's over baby. As long as he is invested suitably to his risk tolerance. And I can't tell him what his risk tolerance is. Only he can determine what he and his, his partner's, uh, you mentioned a partner in the email, uh, what the risk tolerance is, and then find an advisor that will invest, invest accordingly. At 5.25% rate of return over a 10-year period of time, there are certain investments that you can go to and, and comfortably achieve that, not with a guarantee. In fact, sometimes there are uh, products mm-hmm. that guarantee that rate of return. certain times annuities or even an index annuity or variable annuity. So back in the day, fixed annuities would even pay that much. I don't think anything's really tracking at that level right now. But, but Dame, here's the other thing. I, I forget the guy's name, Richard. It doesn't matter. Who knows if if Dame, if you went to this guy and you said, "Hey, you need only a 5.25 percent rate of return," who who knows if he, he has the context to know whether that's achievable? Right?
1: Totally. I if you sit down with most. Folks who, you know, hard workers uh, just doing what they do to try and save as much for retirement. And you say, What do you think a reasonable rate of return is for your portfolio right now? They may get, they may guess right, but, but they, most people don't have the experience or the context to be able to tell you that. And so, this little bit of education to go
0: along with how it all fits together. Can be extremely enlightening for people. How how often do you ask that question when you're talking to Hey Money customers or your money line clients? How, how often do you you know when someone's trying to get to the heart of a question like this? Do you say, well, what do you think is a reasonable rate of return?
1: Um, that's a great great question. I don't ask it enough to be perfectly honest, and maybe I'll start looping this in because it's it will give you a good insight
0: as to where that person is. Yeah, it's almost like you go to a doctor and like, well, how many calories do you think you should eat in a day? It's like (laughs) all of them, 3,500, I mean, just like everybody else. All right, Dean, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and current events. Uh, This week's biggest waste of money of the week is uh, is a doozy. It is is a doozy. Uh, It's one of those that even if I had all the money in the world, I'm not sure I would purchase it, even though it's pretty amazing. Yeah, Yeah. totally. It's intriguing because it's just, it's involved. All that's next right here on the Pete, the planner show. I'm the guy who had all the money in the world. Wouldn't buy the next product. That was me really stretching out a poorly (sighs) executed hitting of the post. That was terrible. Well done. No, it really wasn't. It was, it was pee poor. Mm say Pete poor. If anyone, do you think I, I can, I can set this up for the coming weeks. It's almost chipmunk season, you all. And I feel very strongly about trapping them and, 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 and transferring them off property. Do you think I should set up a live camera that we keep in the corner of the screen here?
1: Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I do. And as tempted as I am, I think it might become a distraction that, uh,
0: uh, might interfere with, uh, the radio side of things. Here's, here's what I can do. I can, I can like this. I have a clock right here. Uh, I could put like a little chipmunk screen right there. I don't know. I'm into well,
1: it. M- we might have to. I, I thought we were going to go with uh, like a March madness theme and we were going to wager on how many chipmunks you catch over the next couple weeks.
0: Oh, let me get, let me get one under my pelt. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. <laughs> okay. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I, sh- I, sh- I should show a picture of this thing, right? Yeah, if you can. Okay, hold on, everybody. Uh, oh, Dame, try to be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love being put on the spot like that. It's, it's, oh, where, I
0: I, it's where I thrive. <laughs> be funny. Yeah.
1: I okay. had I, I had somebody, uh, I was doing a, it was part of an interview process. They did a psychological interview. Uh, uh, interview uh, i guess and uh, the the shrink leaned across the table and got right in my face and said tell me a joke
0: <laughs> and i just laughed at him oh my gosh sounds yeah. intense i would love that opportunity you
1: you would have done like a full 15 minute set
0: yeah it's like i uh, like you <laughs> it's like hold <laughs> the mic out of my briefcase <laughs> flashlight Oh uh... Awesome. Remember the two drink minimum. Okay, you ready to go? Let's start a radio segment because I got to go run after this. I have tights on. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the Dry Ager Dry Aging Fridge. That's right, Dame. Made in Germany and now available in the U.S. and Canada. The Dry Ager Dry Aging Cabinet it's a beautifully crafted statement piece that comes in two sizes and seamlessly integrates into and enhances any type of interior design. Dry Ager performs as elegantly as it looks, transforming any type of quality meat into the most exquisite and tender bite of dry aged goodness. Previously reserved for high-end steakhouses. That sound effect was unnecessary. Yeah, It sort of fell flat. I regret it with a rich and complex flavor profile, buttery texture and nutty aroma. Maybe the chipmunks would like it. Yeah. Your dry aged meal is sure to impress. This revolutionary plug and play machine is a result of years of research and development. And you, there's a lot of other things going on here, but here's the thing, Dame. I, I like dry aged meat. Do you have a, you have a preference? Do you like the dry aged meat? It's not bad. I I'm I'm hap- usually happy with anything that gets put in front of my face. Sure. And so um, here's the thing about dry aging. That I I happen to know, it's not a pretty process. Like it, I mean, as a man, if I see a dry aged piece of beef uh, that is currently in the process of doing dry aged, I will give it a knowing nod and glance and appreciation. I don't think my wife wants to see partially rotting meat uh, showcased in our kitchen. If you know what I mean. You know what they
1: need? They need uh, that that special glass that you, it'll, it's frosted when you when you hit a button and uh, and you can push a button to just check on it and and check on the the meat and then click it and it goes back to being frosted and you you don't have to stare at the
0: the rotting muscle tissue i don't eat enough meat uh red meat i should say to justify that purchase like, like i said it's it's interesting i like aged meat i would just never personally purchase this because it just doesn't make any sense oh the cost everyone's wondering there are two versions. One's $2,700 and the other one's 3700 So it's not even that much. It's just like how much dry aging of, and one of them will hold like whole sides of beef. The 3,700 one will hold like a whole, like a whole side, like a it, chopped in half cow.
1: I mean, that's like having a 12 by 12 walk-in cooler in your barn or something. Are you about to
0: swivel the camera to the 12 by 12 walk-in cooler to your barn? Okay. No, no, of course not. Do you have a 12 by 12 walk-in cooler in your barn? Maybe. Oh, my God. What's in the news this week?
1: The net worth of U.S. households finished 2020 at the highest level on record as soaring prices for stocks, real estate, and other assets erased losses inflicted by the coronavirus pandemic and related economic downturn. Household net worth ended the fourth quarter at $130.2 trillion, the Federal Reserve said. That was up 5.6% from the third quarter and 10% from the end of 2019.
0: Yeah, I talked to some friends. Yeah, I have friends. I talked to friends about how their net worth changed in 2020. You know, like, where or, or was it on January 1st versus December 31st of the year? And on average, Dame, the people I talked to, this is very anecdotal, very limited set. I think the average is roughly 30% change for the year. Ooh, wow.
1: That's impressive.
0: It was not uh, a cross section of America that I asked. It was just no. a group of my friends. So small, small sample
1: size, in a very specific geographic region.
0: Yeah, yeah, but 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 so that number you just gave is not surprising. I think it was an incredible year for some people's net worth, which I, I made a prediction. I would love to find it on the show, but that would take effort. I made prediction back in March of 2020. Yeah, had to have been. In which I said I thought the pandemic's impact on people's personal finances. I can't believe I said this. Oh my well, I can't believe I'm admitting to it now. Would shrink the wealth gap. Yeah. And I think I said you're nuts. Yeah, no, I am nuts. That was the I've said a lot of dumb things on the show, and so we don't want to get into a listicle, but that's amongst the dumbest. What's up there? I don't know. I it was weird. I don't know if it was like some sort of hopefulness to that or like maybe this will shake it up. Like, I was just all very <laughs> dumb and uninformed, but uh, if with was so much financial pain in 2020, yet net worths went up, that is not the shrinking of a wealth gap, my friends. That is the, the uh, broadening of the gap. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pete, opinion. we're, we're going to take a trip north to our neighbors uh, for the next story. Okay. A Toronto resi- uh, restaurant, not resident. No, there are residents in Toronto too, but a Toronto restaurant is making things easier for those looking to expense lunch by naming various menu items after office supplies. Good well, Fortune Burger has begun uh, begun offering hashtag receipts, R-E-C-E-A-T-S, uh, their renamed menu items disguised as a number of common office tools. Their Fortune Burger, for example, has become the basic steel stapler, and parm fries are now known as a CPU wireless mouse. These receipt offerings are currently only available for a limited time, although each menu item will continue to be offered under its more traditional name.
0: That is amazing. And it's also, (laughs) I believe, fraud. Yeah, yeah, let's not skate over that. But is it most fraud
1: amazing? Like, if you really like, that's ingenious. Yeah, I mean, they're just looking out for their patrons at this point.
0: That's funny. That's really fun. But as the owner of an organization, don't um, do that. Don't. Yeah, Dame. Ha, 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 ha. Hey, can you send me all your receipts? Um, that reminds me. There's, it's like, you know, it's March Madness, of course, right now. And so, you know, people have those. They go to a site where you click one button and it pulls up a spreadsheet. So if your boss is looking over your shoulder. But with a work from home, I think productivity has screeched to a halt today. Yeah, I can't imagine that
1: anybody is doing much of anything this afternoon. Other than us doing a radio show. Yeah, and it's not much. Yeah. What else, Dan? As millions of people began working, exercising, and doing just about everything from home during the pandemic, sales of sweatpants and dumbbells surged enough to worry the fashion industry about a shortage of leisure wear. Britain's statisticians expect those consumer trends to stick around. Hand weights and men's lounge wear pants, along with hand sanitizer, have been added to the list of items that the Office for National Statistics uses to track prices and calculate Britain's inflation rate women's sweatshirts were also added to expand the women's casual wear section. That's right. They added sweatpants, dumbbells, hand sanitizer to track inflation. And that,
0: that's fascinating. I'm wearing a piece of athleisure right now that I like to think about it in a professional setting. What I'm wearing right now is it's a running shirt. It's a Lululemon running shirt. I would never wear this in a professional setting. However, it's 2021 anything goes and i'm wearing running tights right now if i were to stand up i would have to fire myself i mean mean, aren't they just essentially
1: leggings what what uh
0: men don't wear leggings dame you do these are uh these are performance uh compression wicking yeah wicking wicking yeah uh, so anyway, if uh, at the conclusion of our show, if anyone's on the west side of Carmel, Indiana, don't go outside for the next hour or so unless you want to lose your appetite. Dame, I, I was picking out uh, clothes the other day to wear, to work. And by work, I mean downstairs in this office. And I I took a beat longer than normal choosing which t-shirt to wear that day. And I thought it was sort of funny. I sort of laughed to myself and I thought, wow. I mean, a year ago, I, I don't know if I changed clothes in a three-day period because we're all just walking around like mopes. Now it's just like, well, which, which t-shirt I think sends the message I want to, which message T is really the one to go with. I've often
1: wondered, uh, recently what
0: office fashion is going to look like when people come back. Totally with you. Todd just says on uh YouTube live, if you stand up your Google reputation score is likely to go down. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, it's funny. Uh, are running tights as cute as bike shorts? Um, I have both, um, I think I don't what do you think, Dane? What's more the, aesthetically pleasing? Me and the, running tights or bike shorts? It depends on the chamois. It does depend on the chamois. Um, yeah, Dane, what is workplace wear gonna look I, I'll have to admit, again, this is this is getting a little much on this episode. I don't a lot of my work clothes aren't gonna fit.
1: I, after seeing you last Friday, I thought, man, he's going to have to have a whole new wardrobe
0: before he comes back. And I don't want to spend any money right now. We'll exactly. also talk about that. So like I, I'm going to have to actually get some things all altered. But it's like, at what point am I going to go to a meeting that involves a suit? Anyway, that's it for the show. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. Every week on this show, we we basically change your life. Email us. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com and Dan will answer your question. I'm Pete the Planner. Bye bye now. Why did I say it like that? You're you're a professional. That's why. All right. What are you drinking on the show next week?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: Probably something mixed. No. I'm gonna just do that Jameson coffee drink, Jameson cold brew on ice that you got me.
1: Nice. Everyone I, uh, can- I hope it's nice.
0: Oh well, I think I think it looks delicious. I'm excited, and I think a noontime bev is the way to go uh dame have a good weekend same to you everyone who's on the show right now and just hanging out live with us have a good weekend if you're a podcast listener your weekend already happened and if you wasted it it's on you best of luck with your life and i may never see you again <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know It got a little dark i don't know it, it, we're still in the midst of a pandemic nothing's dark at this point You know, it's like nothing's unprecedented at this point, which is actually tempting fate. I don't want to say that. Yeah, let's not. Danza says she's going to have a nip of port. Ruby or Tawny? I don't know (laughs) though. You don't know Tawny? Mm -hmm. Katane? Great gal. Okay, I'm going to go. Goodbye, everybody.